get all this stuff going. Okay, I can hear I'm on the speaker there. All right, thank you for allowing me to give the sermon today. Um, I'll say a quick prayer. Dear God, thank you so much for this opportunity to learn your ways. I pray uh, that you speak through me, through your spirit. Uh, I pray that your name be glorified and that we can love one another each uh, deeply from the heart and uh, bring glory to your name through your kingdom. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Today we're going to talk about unity and diversity. My hope is to uh, impress upon you uh, the importance of both the unity and diversity. It's a vital and essential to God's kingdom, and it was part of his plan. Let's start off, and if you want to turn there, John 17, verse 17, uh, John 17, verses 20 through 23. It says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as I have loved, uh, even as you have loved me. Jesus states, so the world will know twice in this verse, meaning it will be clear. It's not going to be, well, it's kind of, sort of. It'll be very clear that between our love for one another uh, and our unity, that we will be, bring glory to God and uh, build his kingdom. And so that's what the message is about, is to trying to impress on you the importance. And I think a lot of us in this room already have that, but I'll I'm hoping to bring a new light to uh, these verses. So there are three types of unity that uh, Steve Staten talked about when he came and gave a workshop several years ago. And I always think about these uh, three types of unity. One is the agreement of facts, the henotes in the Greek. In Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, it says, So Christ gave himself, uh, gave or himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of his fullness in Christ. The next one is family togetherness. Heis, Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So these two things we, we most churches have down, uh, not necessarily, but uh, agreeing on the facts of the gospel, having this sense of family, uh, being uh, trying to implement that sense of family throughout our fellowship. The next one is really what we're looking for is this homothumidon. It's a rushing along in unison like a symphonic orchestra. It's used five times in Acts and, and in several other places, but I'll read in Romans 15, verse 6, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So our goal in terms of glorifying and, and letting the world know so that they will be clear is that we reach this level of homothumidon, where we're in unison like a symphonic orchestra. 
So then the question is, why do we need a UDT? And the UDT stands for Unity and Diversity Team. Let's go another verse, 1 Corinthians. Uh, Mark kind of set the standard. We were going to use a lot of verses last week, so we're going to use a lot of verses this week. 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I, am, I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all these things for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessing. So this goes up to verse 23. What comes after verse 23? Verse 24. <laughs> though, I am, though I am free, um, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not, uh, not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize." So is this scripture just talking about personal salvation, or is it linked to the previous passage? I mean, to be honest with you, I've never really linked the two until I started studying out unity and diversity. But to me, this verse talking about going into strict training is a call for us to be all things to all people. Uh, this is a, this is, most of my talk is out of the Michael Burns' book, All Things to All People, based on this scripture. But these scriptures are linked um, in that we need to really train ourselves on how we can not only have that family togetherness, but we can have that homothumidon. What's been the problem? So, you know, long time ago in our movement, uh, I remember getting reached out to, and you know, you get that question, oh, or you know, do you know what about a disciple? The, did you know that Christians only in the Bible three times, and discipleship is is in the Bible over 270 times? And no, I didn't know that. Uh, it's, it was like they got me hooked on that just that one thing. It's like, oh, okay, well, what's a disciple? Uh, but now you can kind of notice in, in our American culture that word disciple is used more often uh, in the Christian context. But you'll see, I'll, I'll kind of make this point, what's strange about these books? They all say, go and make disciples. Their titles are incomplete. In Matthew... 28, 18 through 19, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So there's this, been this evolution of modern Christianity in, in the American culture. So we understand now that, no, it's not just about being a 
title of a Christian, but it's about being a disciple. We're wanting to, to have all nations stream to it. Uh, and right now, I brought up this point before, only about less than 5% of evangelical churches in America are multiracial, let alone multicultural. Uh, so we're trying to get to this evolution of homothumidon so that it may be clear that this is God's plan. So the question before us is, is it okay? Oh, there's no uh, slide. So there's a picture of a homogeneous, so think of everything being about the same, or heter heterogeneous, where there's all this mixture of, of races and culture. And so the question is before us, is it okay to have a church where everybody's the same? Uh, it would be nice if, you know, we have 10 churches and they all get together on occasion. Or really, was it God's plan for each church to be diverse? not only racially, but culturally, economically, gender-wise, so on and so forth. So the proposition that I think the scriptures really bring out is that God wanted his church to be heterogeneous or heterogeneous. Oops, here's another slide that's not working. Oh, yeah, it's kind of working. <laughs> so homogeneous would be easy. We all agree. That would be easy. Uh, we could separate. Why didn't they do that back in the day? Jews would be in one church. Gentiles would be in another church. That would solve a lot of problems. They could even get together on occasion. That would be nice. Uh, one church could sing a, a, a Hebrew a hymnal. The other group could sing something new and fancy. Um, but nope, that's, that's the question that they got in the Council of Jerusalem in Acts 15. So I'll read just the first verse. It says, certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. So imagine that. You become a disciple and somebody says, oh, you got to be circumcised. Whoa. Yeah, that, 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 that was this slide where is, what you talking about, Willis? It's like, no. I don't think so, but moonwalks, run, you're going to do something. It's not, it's not going to happen. Yeah, so, uh, but that was the question and that that whole uh, chapter addressed was, hey, how does God want his kingdom to be set up? Um, let's see here. The number of verses where Paul teaches the disciples about the gathering of the nations or trains them in cross-cultural life together is 637. So, you know, I was blown away by the 270-some verses on discipleship. But then I'm like, well, Michael Burns came up with this. He counted out 637 verses. So you cannot argue with that, that's this, this number. 637 times Paul is teaching how we need to gather the nations, make disciples of all nations, and how we need to go into strict training on how this is going to happen because it's not going to be easy. So, let's see. At every opportunity, the apostolic church described in the New Testament rejected separation and homogeneity because they understood that they must be a visible display of God's great project to gather the nations. So what are the common objections to focusing on culture? I know this might be a little hard to read. 
we must let the Bible dictate our approach to culture rather than our culture dictate how we approach the scriptures. Amen. Galatians 1.8, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. So this is scary. So that is why it can be very hard for cultures to get together because in our minds, we're making that connection of, hey, I see there you're doing something or saying something. Red flag, that's not right. Mm, I don't know if that's part of the gospel. This scripture comes to mind. You're like, oh, I don't know. And so that happens. I know it happens to me. These red flags come up out of nowhere. You don't know where they're coming from. But you, you're tying it to scripture, uh, which rightfully so, and it becomes a problem. And so that's what we're going to address, how to deal with these issues that are true. They're, they're real issues. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Now this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world, and especially in our relationship with you, with integrity and godly sincerity. We have done so relying not on worldly wisdom, but on God's grace. So again, whenever we start introducing things about focusing on culture, you can easily say, hmm, is this worldly wisdom? Is this pop psychology? Do we need to get this out of the church? It's a, it's a legitimate question to ask. In Romans 12, too, it says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Again, it's the Bible is commanding us to not conform to the patterns of this world, yet we're supposed to learn how to build a multicultural church. So let's get into a definition. What is culture? Culture can be defined as the abstract, learned, shared rules and standards for generating behavior and understanding experiences. So this is very deep and it's, uh, that's the whole process of the UDT is to teach ourselves what this means and teach the congregation and God's kingdom what this means. So I hope this next slide shows up. Oh, great. This, so this next slide uh, also is a great, I, I know for the longest, I'm always thinking culture. So uh, I think of culture as, oh, your music, what you like. Like I was saying before, oh, I didn't really realize hip hop was a culture. Rap was a song, hip hop was a, I didn't know that. Um, so music, easy. Food, easy. Uh, holidays you celebrate, easy. Those are things, okay, that's cultural. Those are cultural topics. That's what we see uh, on this iceberg picture. That's what we think about when we think about culture. But as the Michael Burns points out in his All Things to All People, culture goes much deeper than that. These are 48 different things to think about in terms of how we think about or define culture and how it affects us. And most of these things are subconscious. We don't, it's just normal for you in your culture to think a certain way, but it could be exactly the opposite in another culture. And so how are you going to deal with that? So I'd like to bring up an example that uh, in the book, um, it was it, Michael Burns was talking about a story where he felt that his wife was missing something. She couldn't put her finger on it, but there was something missing in the church. Uh, so one day they had to drop something off at a couple 
Bart's house. So they thought, you know, they'd just run by, uh, drop it off, be on their way. Uh, they could even leave it on the porch. But, you know, they showed up. The uh, couple was home. They were like, oh, come on in. They ended up spending the whole day, the whole evening together um, and uh, having a great time and almost making that kind of a habit where they would, they would come over and fellowship for hours at a time. So after that experience, his wife said, this was it. This was, this was one of those things I couldn't put my finger on, but I was missing. I was missing the aspect of this uninvited guest. We're all family. Come on over. My house is your house. Uh, share time together. Build relationships. But it could easily be seen as something that's inconsiderate. If you show up to somebody's house unannounced, a lot of people can say, well, that's inconsiderate. They, they've got things to do, uh, got a lot of things going on. They might be exhausted. In my culture, you need to call and make an appointment to come over to my house, and we're going to stipulate how long you're going to be there. So now you've got this cultural clash, and how do we deal with it? This is just one example. I mean, there's millions of examples. And so that's kind of the goal of the UDT is to help us as a congregation, as God's kingdom, to be able to deal with these cultural clashes. Because I know in my, I can speak for myself, I really did not understand culture uh, until I started studying this out through God's scriptures. Um, hope this next one uh, doesn't quite show up, but... There are, so picture circles around each of those, um, those words. Uh, and the life of Christ is the inner circle. These other, um, there are circles around these cultures. These one, two, three, and four are cultures. Some of your cultural beliefs and traditions will fall within the Bible. Meaning like the Bible may say, do this, and you do that as part of your culture. There are going to be some aspects of your culture that are going to actually be fall in the realm of sin. So what I define as universal sin, which is getting smaller and smaller in our world, is something that most people would agree to as being sinful. Genocide uh, would be an example. Um, worldly sin is something that the world has now accepted as fine, okay, but the Bible says it's a sin. Like lust would be an example of that. Lust is an example. If, hey, uh, uh, if somebody is struggling with lust, they understand it's a sin, they need to repent of it. Whereas in the world, people are like, what are you talking about? Um, what, I, what we really need to come to grips with is this idea of culturally neutral. So a neutral thing, something easy that would be neutral would be how many times you eat a day. I eat twice a day. Somebody else may eat six times a day. No one's going to have any problem with somebody eating six times a day if they, that's part of their culture. Um, but going back to our story, uh, there was this example where uh, the one person thought this is what's needed. Everybody should embrace this family togetherness, being able to show up unannounced. But on the other hand, somebody would be, consider that inconsiderate. So what we have to train ourselves is to place more things into this neutral category until we can figure it out together. And that, again, is part of the unity and diversity team is to help us see that, hey, 
for you that's fine, for the, somebody else it's not okay, but we need to be searching for that homothumidon where the world will say, well, wow, how, did, how in the world do they get along? What's going on? Well, I, I got to check this out. It will be clear. And so hopefully I'll, I'll try to get this on another slide and show it at another time, but it's to give you the sense of if something affects you like a red flag goes up, uh, if it's not falling into this worldly sin, universal sin, try to place it into this neutral category until we, you could deal with it, either with your friend, your spouse, or a team, or somebody. These are the things that we'll have to do together to, so that we can bring glory to God. How are we going to uh, become all things to all people? Step one, we need to become familiar with our own cultural practices and preferences. Step two, to be all things to all people, we must be willing to give up our rights and preferences for the benefits of others. Step three, we must become a student of other cultures. Today is a Chinese New Year. I remember I was telling my wife this er earlier today. I was like, yeah, I didn't believe in Chinese New Year. And people were like, well, what? Wow, why not? And I was like, well, what year is it? And they would say, well, it's 2023. And it's like, oh, oh, okay. I, you know, I was trying to say we need to keep the culture on 2023 after Christ, not 10,000 the year of the rat. But I was wrong. I, I, somebody had to teach me that, and, and, and I, I grew in my understanding. And so now I embrace it's Chinese New Year. Uh, happy Chinese New Year, everybody. It was Martin Luther King Day this week. Uh, happy Martin Luther King, everybody. So we have to become a culture. Uh, uh, we have to be a student of other cultures in order for this homothumidon to happen. And then step four, we need to intentionally bring ourselves to a state of cultural flexibility. So there are going to be plenty of times where before it was a red flag and you're going to show something, a face, a look, a statement that's going to be uh, like, I don't agree. We're going to have to work on that and say, this is going to be neutral. We're going to figure this thing out. We're going to glorify God and uh, make disciples of all nations. Some of these topics are not going to be easy. Uh, race, politics, income inequality, gender, views of authority. I mean, the list goes on. These are just some of the bigger topics. The biggest tool that we will need, oh, this didn't show up, was uh, grace. We need to have grace. So when somebody says something that's offensive in your culture, they may not understand that. We need to have grace, and it needs to go both ways. So if anything you take away from this, the one, two things, homothumidon and grace. The next uh, thing that we're going to be talking about starting next week in our uh, workshop is hospitality. It's not just a good idea. It's a biblical principle, and it's demanded of God's uh, people, and that's shown in these scriptures and multiple more scriptures. So around the table, we can laugh, talk, cry, get to know one another, and learn the value of one another's culture. That's where part of this hospitality will come in is that we are going to really learn about each other on a deeper level and learn more about ourselves. Um, last was just the uh, introduction to the current uni unity and diversity team. Um, this is flexible, so there are people that come and go, uh, but currently it's uh, myself, my wife, 
Uh, as you can see, Mark, Gary, Alex, Josh, Sharissa. Uh, so uh, so we're, we are the team that's going to help ourselves, help God's kingdom, uh, bring glory to his name uh, by becoming that homothumidon that God wants us to be, making disciples of all nations uh, so that the world will know. It won't be confused. Thank you.